0: Amen. Amen. You got it. All right. That is the invitation of the good shepherd, isn't it? You know, when we look at Psalm 23, it is this amazing reminder of who God is, who he wants to be in our life. And we see that in Psalm 23, and then we see in John chapter 10, Jesus showing up, showing up and saying, I am that good shepherd. I am the one that is inviting you not just to a salvation that rescues you from judgment and delivers you into heaven later, but I'm rescuing you to a relationship, a relationship where as we walk with God, a little bit of heaven on earth is experienced with him And with those around us. And so as we look at this today, we're talking about showing up. Like what does it mean to to actually experience God showing up in our lives? You could turn to Psalm 23 and we'll look at these verses again together. Verses 1 through 5. And uh, just center in today in particular on verse 5. But I want you to have the whole context here as we continue to walk through this series together. So we heard in this song, the Lord is my shepherd, verse 1, and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Say, with me. It's such a key. That God is with us and that we have each other in that walk as well. So you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table. Verse 5, this is where we're centering in today. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And so as we look at this today, there's this reality of what's showing up in our lives. Are you showing up? With all of who, you know, God wants you to be? Are you looking for God showing up? Who are the people that are showing up in your life? You know, in the month of April, uh, my parents were here. Let me show you a picture of them. Hi, Mom and Dad. They're, they're probably watching online right now. Uh, this is us over at the beach. And, uh, you know, my parents are incredible. And they have been showing up throughout my life. So much so that when my family was battling uh, COVID in April, they were not just here, they were present, they were teaching, they were connecting with people. Uh, They love Pathway, by the way. They love our people and what God is doing here. And they were showing up in ways. And so I just want to honor them for a minute and thank them for showing up. Can you join me in that? There's a legacy there, though, that I... I want to show you somebody else that that was showing up in my life throughout childhood uh, in addition to my parents. This is my grandfather, Clayton Jones, and uh, that is your lead pastor sitting on his knee. Can you say, "Ah, isn't that cute? Look at that chubby little Brian, right? That that was me with grandpa and uh, Clayton Jones, uh, who passed away a few years ago. But uh, when I saw this picture, it just touched my heart because uh, he, not just in this moment, but then throughout my, my years of playing sports and as he retired, he would show up at games and uh, he had this, he, he, was a, he worked for Grand Trunk Railroad and retired from there and just had this bravado, this sense of uh, when he was around, when he was showing up, you just felt confident. You felt a little bit more encouraged and yet he had this quiet way of doing it. Unless I was playing sports, and then he would get loud, right? Uh, Let me show you another picture of my grandfather that I didn't see till later after he had already passed. This picture here is when he was in his, I believe, 30s, and it is what it looks like. Uh, That is him trimming a tree. He is on top of the roof, balancing on one foot on the chimney, the other on a ladder. He took long poles and put his... Shears at the end of those pole because he was going to figure out how to trim this tree. Um, that is a brave and courageous man, and when I tell you that when he showed up, there was something that it made you, it, it just gave you a little bit more courage and a little bit more encouragement. Uh, this was the truth, and and if you wonder like where I get some of my crazy from, it's in the bloodline, y'all. <laughs> You know, there's a faith and an ability to, to take a risk, right? And so this, this is who he was, and so much of that, he had a faith. He loved Jesus and prayed for us. Uh, his, his wife, my grandmother, Theola, as well, to this day, prays for our family daily. And so I have been so blessed, and I want to ask you the question, what's showing up in your life? Who's showing up? What is showing up in your life? because all of us have things people or situations that that seem to keep showing up in our life some of those are good some of those need a little work can we can we be honest about that for a minute that, that maybe some of the issues or things that, that we see showing up in our life, uh, whether they have a name or it's a situation, maybe it's a pattern of behavior that we ourselves have, may be consistently showing up and God's saying, hey, here's the good of that, but here's also some things that I want to intervene and do because there's a reason that keeps showing up and it doesn't have to be that way. You see, what's happening here in this text in verse 5 is uh, if you look at what shepherds would do, a shepherd would guide the flock uh, through the hills and the valleys, as we read in verse four, even in the valley of the shadow of death. And that shepherd would lead them towards the upper areas. Uh, in fact, in the Middle East, oftentimes the area that was plateaued or was the, the best fertile feeding ground for the sheep, as they would lead them out of that valley, it would come to a place where uh, author Philip Keller says that they would actually call it the table, that this plateau area was this table, this space, where actually the sheep would show up and the shepherd is there. And even if there was enemies showing up, even if there was pests, even if there were situations and things that the sheep didn't want, they knew their good shepherd had showed up with them. And, and then it said that it would, there would be this anointing with oil. And that has a purpose that we'll look at in a minute that is significant for us. And what does it look like to then rest in the fact that if God's showing up and we're showing up with all of ourselves with God, that we're going to experience greater levels of rest. And some of us in here need rest because you are are ripping and running, you are fighting, and God is saying, listen, I want to show up. I want to show up in a way that, that, that isn't just a Sunday thing, isn't just a church service thing, but is a Monday through Saturday, 24-7, all of your life matters to God. And did you know God wants to show up in it? And so as we unpack this together today in verse 5, let me again read it to you and what it says. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil My cup overflows. And so, the first point I want to make here is when we show up to God's table, then God shows out. When we show up to God's table, to his place of provision, his place of pasture, when we come to God, God begins to show out in our lives, not for our glory, not for our fame, but for his. You see, showing up to the table means that you're bringing all of who you are. You're, you're bringing all of who you are to God and saying, God, here I am. The good, the bad, the ugly, God, I am here and I am yours. And when we begin to do that, it says, in the presence of my enemies, that, that there is a God that wants to show up and show those enemies, show those situations in our life who's boss. Who's boss? And how many of you know that that you aren't the boss? (laughs) As much as we want to be, we need God to show up and show out in these situations. And oftentimes it's trusting Him, it's letting go, it's allowing God to be God. But part of what I think we have to recognize is that in our modern society, Maybe even our own life today, whether it's because of a pandemic or whether it's because of other things, we have a problem with isolation issues. I wanna talk about this for a minute because, you know, the, this technology, right? These phones were designed and social media was designed to, to help make our lives more efficient, to help make our lives more connected. And to some degree, it's worked. We're more efficient, we're more productive, we're more connected than ever. In fact, some would argue that the world, you know, has really flattened, not physically, but relationally, in the sense that we're now a truly global society, interconnected through social media and technology to other nations and places and spaces. Yet underneath of that, often is this reality that it's a pseudo-connection. It's not real intimacy. That, that in fact, we actually, mo, many studies are revealing that this generation feels more isolated than ever. And, and for some of you, you actually can relate to this because you're, you're going through life, you're showing up at work, you're showing up at church, you're showing up you know, in your neighborhood, and yet you still feel intensely lonely and isolated. And this is so significant because... I believe that we see in scripture that there's an enemy of our souls, that that actually the enemy, one of his tactics and tools in the presence of my enemies is to isolate me and to make me believe that I've somehow got to fight that battle on my own, that I've got to fight it alone and, and that I don't have the help I need from God or from the family of God, the people around me. Isolation issues are significant and I want us to remember that as we read in Psalm 23, this is not just David describing a good shepherd because no sheep would be alone and be protected. No sheep would be isolated and experience the provision and the peace because shepherds would go after the one only to restore them to the flock. Y'all, this, this, we can read Psalm 23 as me and God. And miss that it's being written to us as God and us as a part of the flock and the family. And so when we show up, God wants to help us with these isolation issues. And, you know, sometimes when we are feeling that and trying to overcome things, uh, there's funny moments. And and I'm going to just share with you a few years back my, Cindy and I had got away. We were at a counseling, kind of a retreat center as a family for a few weeks. And uh, I think it was actually in the second or third week, uh, we both had made a decision to, to kind of go out into the woods, but she knew I had gone out. I didn't know she was going to go out. See, she doesn't necessarily like woods. And, and I'll tell you, I, I like nature, um, but I like nature in nature. So like lanai's with like a covered screen are like my jam right? Like, oh, there's nature, but it's not like up in me, right? Like, okay, so some of you are like, man, he just lost his man card again. I know. <laughs> I know. I'll own it. I'm good with it. And so we, I, I had gone out, and I'm having like this moment of solitude and silence, and I'm on this little bench in these woods, and, and I see like this little Bambi go by. Like, it's literally skipping through the woods midday, And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. And then behind it, I see literally, this is in Michigan, lower Michigan, a cougar stalking it. Now, some of you are like, my man's delusional, okay? And the people around me there thought I might be. But here's the thing. A couple weeks prior, I had seen in the news that there was actually a cougar sighted in that area about uh, about 60 to 75 miles away. So I kind of did one of these and realized, like, 30 yards from me, that is a legitimate cougar. And I now am in a situation I didn't want to be in. I, I thought God had made a table for me in the presence of now my enemy, right? And so I, this is just how I roll. Like, I, you know, fight or flight, I didn't run. I was like, all right. Took my, the only thing I had, my Nalgene water bottle, Stood up on a bench and was like, let's roll. Like, if this thing smells me, sees me, and comes, right? You know, this bottle and I, and and clearly I wouldn't be here today, right? Um, But thankfully it did. not And so I kind of backed my way out of the woods as it it continued to chase Bambi. Uh, We'll pray for Bambi. I have no idea what happened to Bambi. Um, But as I got out of the woods, I I asked my kids, I said, hey, where's mom? Because she had mentioned going into the woods, but I hadn't seen her. They said, well, she's out in the woods, and I'm like, oh, yeah, um, okay. Uh, So I called her on the phone, and uh, thankfully, we had just enough service that she picked up. Now, here's where the difference is between me as a husband uh, learning to be a good shepherd and who God is, because I said, hey, uh, where are you? She said, I'm out in the woods. I said, okay. She said, is everything okay? I said, no. She said, am I safe? I said, no. She said, what do I do? I said, get back here as soon as and quick as you can. I'm coming, okay? Now, that's all the detail I gave her, so you can imagine what's going through my wife's mind. And so Cindy begins, like, panicking, trying to run back, and, and, you know, I'm telling you, she covered two miles faster than I've ever seen anybody cover it. And uh, I go out to find her. I'm on a bike, and I go the wrong way twice. Like, I'm trying to show up as the hero in the story, and I can't even pull that off, okay? And so finally, as she gets out of the woods, uh, literally, as she's coming down the last hill out of the woods, here I am on the bike, and I'm like, yeah, I I immediately knew, like, this is an epic fail, (laughs) like... And, and so everything was fine. I got made fun of for a couple of weeks by all the people around us. And then about a month later, I got an email, hey, uh, we actually did see the cougar that you saw, and we're working with the DNR to get it out of there. So I felt redeemed, okay? But, but that moment of me feeling isolated, her feeling isolated, and then trying to, to, to like figure that out, like so much of what we face in life is linked to things like this. And what the enemy does with this isolation, with what he tries to do, he uses discouragement, he demoralizes us, he tries to divide us from God and from others. We then in that begin wandering in isolation. And we can literally become paralyzed in fear and unable to move. I just wonder if anybody here feels like that's kind of where I'm at, that I'm facing these situations. I don't quite know what to do. I feel alone. I feel isolated. And, and God today is, I believe, wanting to encourage you that our God is a God who shows up and gets it right. Let me read to you Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse 14 through 16. It says this, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. I'm going to just pause right there. It's saying, listen, you're in a messy, broken world. You feel isolated, yet we have a God, a good shepherd, who came in the form of Jesus, who passed." through heavens, fully God, fully man, showed up and said, you know what? I will give up my divine privilege. I will actually have a flesh, fully God, but yet fully man. In that, he can relate because he understands the struggles. He understands what it feels like to need rest, to be hungry, to be sad, to grieve, to be angry because he was one of us. And so in that, we have a high priest, a God, a good shepherd that we can turn to, and that's what verse 16 says. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because of who he is, we can turn to him and trust him and come out of our isolation and into intimacy. And that's key to dealing with the presence of our enemies. There's actually an uh, author, uh, A.W. Tozer, who says this. He says, The only safe place for a sheep is by the side of his shepherd. Because the devil does not fear sheep, he just fears the shepherd. That is deep, isn't it? To to realize that part of this walk is is the enemy who's trying to isolate you and pick you off and, and, and to scare and discourage you. He's not afraid of you. He's afraid of who's in you and with you if you're a believer. And that's why being close to the shepherd is so important. Now, as the passage went on, it said, you anoint my head with oil. So let's talk about this for a minute. Because as we get close to the shepherd, the anointing oil that's mentioned here, you anoint my head with oil. Oil is used in a couple of ways in scripture itself, Genesis to Revelation in in all of the books of the Bible. It's mentioned a number of times as symbolic of God's presence. That, That there's this anointing, this oil that symbolizes God's presence that closeness that we need. It also symbolizes throughout Scripture a medicinal purpose, that it's actually used as a medicine, a balm, a healing agent, an agent of protection. And so the second point I want to make today is that God's anointing oil strengthens us to overcome. That it's not just showing up to the table and God shows out, he does, but David's also saying in this psalm that This anointing, this oil from God is part of the provision and the protection that strengthens the sheep to overcome. So let me get really practical with you. Philip Keller uh, in his work, describes what actually sheep go through and how oil would be used. And so it was a mixture of sulfur and spices that the shepherds would put together. They still do it to this day. They would create this oil and this balm that they would then use. uh, Fresh olive oil mixed with sulfur and spices. And so when they would come through the valley, there's annual rhythms to this. And so they would come through a valley and by springtime would be entering into this table area or plateau where they could actually feed. Now, what the shepherd would do is deal with two issues with the sheep in the springtime. One was the, the issue of flies. Now, we're new to Florida. In fact, today is my sixth month to the day. Six months today. Some of you are like, it feels like you've been here six years. Hey, y'all aren't getting rid of me. I love it here, okay? It is awesome here. And here's the thing coming into the spring, like we're now in, nobody told us about the gnosiums. <laughs> y'all, what's up with these things? I don't know if it's the Michigan blood, if it's, you know, our skin is just tasty, but we are out on a lanai that's covered with a screen and we are getting lit up and bit up, okay? And so these flies are showing up in the spring in our life. Well, it was the same thing for the sheep with the shepherd, who would then say, I need to protect them, not just from the enemies and the pests, but I need to protect them from themselves." selves. Because here's what would happen. These sheep, if left to themselves, the flies in the spring would begin to burrow into their nasal cavities, would begin to burrow in even to their their heads and their skulls. And it would be so maddening to a sheep that the sheep would begin hitting its head on the ground and in times would even take itself out to try to end the pestilence and the pain. How often do little pests begin to get the best of us? And before long, we're beaten. Resorting into self-destructive behavior, part of the oil is allowing us to deal with these daily pests, these things. Second thing that would happen, though, with the oil is it wasn't just that the shepherd would put it on their heads and in their noses and try to help protect them from the the flies. The the shepherds uh, would use the oil to help protect them from what's called scabbing. That, that in fact, these sheep in the spring, in mating season, would begin fighting and would begin bucking and hitting heads and ramming. And before long, they would develop scabs. And so the, the oil was used to, again, protect them from some of these things. Can you see how practical David has been? It's not just an oil of a God who's present, but a God whose presence protects us from ourselves and heals us from the hurts that might be happening in life around us. As we look at that and what that means, I believe a couple of things could be instructive for us today. One would be that God wants to give us a fresh filling, a fresh anointing for daily living. That in fact, he's saying, in the presence of my enemy, God anoints my head with oil. You see, there's a scripture in Ephesians 5 verse 18 that I want to read to you and talk about what does a fresh filling or anointing of God's presence look like. In Ephesians 5 verse 18, it says this, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. The issue biblically Here being addressed is not the issue of drinking but of drunkenness you see what drunkenness does and i can tell you this in my own story from experience i've been delivered praise the lord okay some of you are like did he just i did because we're going to be a real church we're going to talk about real issues And so what happens in that drunkenness is we have our inhibitions removed. And in the inhibitions being removed, we're not afraid and we're a little bit more bold and we deal with things a little bit differently, often in the wrong way. And what he's saying is do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And another translation of being filled with the Spirit, because at conversion... When you come to Jesus, you are given the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So it's not saying that you need more of the Holy Spirit in the sense of the gift being given to you. You've got that. The problem is, oftentimes, we have the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit doesn't have us. Let me repeat that, because y'all didn't like that. At least your face didn't. Right? Right? That, that we have the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit doesn't have us. And a better translation, or another way to translate this here at the end of verse 18 when it says, uh, in fact, be filled with the Spirit, it's an ongoing present tense. We could translate it better saying, be being filled. Be being filled. There was a gas panic in America this week. Okay? TP a year ago, gas now, right? And, and people were going to fill up and honestly did some pretty wild and crazy things. I saw Ziploc bags, trash bags, Tupperware, totes, all these kind of things happening with people. And, and if that was you, God bless you, <laughs> you know? Like, bless your heart. But, but in that, The idea was not that we go to God and and we get our tank filled up on Sunday and then we try to make it Monday through Saturday. What it's saying here is, listen, you need a fresh filling, be being filled daily. Because you're going to walk out of here and you're going to face pests and and issues and things and some of them have names and some of them your own stinking thinking and it's all this stuff that we deal with, right? Right? And there's this fresh filling, this anointing that God wants to give to us. Again, not, it's not that we need more of God. We have it available. Often God doesn't have us because our flesh is getting in the way. Puritan writer and author John Owen said this. He said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Said that hundreds of years ago. I mean, it like that'll preach today, right? That we have this flesh that is getting in the way, so be killing sin or it will be killing you. A fresh filling of the spirit begins to do that. But here's the second thing that the fresh filling does: it helps us not to just deal with the presence of our enemy and pests, but to love one another. You, you see, the scabbing is them fighting against each other. How many times do we as believers fight against each other. Come on church. We are meant to be known by our unity and our love, and often we're known by our division and to some degree even our hatred for each other. And so as the oil would help them deal with the scabbing, the oil that fresh filling helps us to love one another. Look at what John 13 says. Jesus, shortly after saying he was the good shepherd, said this, a new commandment I give to you, that you will love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And so Philip Keller, in his work, says this. He said, is this daily anointing, what I'm calling a fresh filling, He says, of God's gracious spirit among my mind, which produces in my life such personality traits as joy, contentment, say contentment, we're going to come back to that, love, patience, gentleness, and peace. What a contrast this is to the tempers, frustration, and irritableness which may mar the daily conduct of God's children. It's that fresh filling, God's spirit, that allows us to live and love the way he calls us to. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't have any singing ability. That, that, was, that was an unusual moment there. I apologize. The last point I want to make, at least we have fun in church, Right? Like, I'm serving up steak, whether you like it or not. We're going to have a little fun. Somebody just now online was like, well, I'm vegan. (laughs) We'll call it hummus then. I don't know. Last point I want to make here. Receiving God's best flows from a heart that is at rest in his will. So in the presence of my enemies... The second piece is this anointing, this fresh filling that's meant to help us live in love. We need more of the Holy Spirit. And then he says that his cup overflows. And the reality of this cup overflowing is significant. It has to do with contentment. It has to do with trusting the Lord and believing that if he's walking with us, he's taking care of us and we have what we need. Thank you, honey. <laughs> Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. It says this. Come to me, all who labor, are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So in the presence of our enemies, with a fresh filling of his spirit, we're able to just rest and trust Jesus and trust what he has for us. Oftentimes, though, when I come across or I look even at my own life as a believer, I don't know that people would describe me as at rest or full of peace, something God's been working on my heart over the last five years. Sometimes what we encounter with other believers, is a franticness, the same kind of trying to make it happen, the same control issues that are in the world. We just kind of put some spiritual icing over it, right? And so this one needs to get deep within our soul because he says, my cup overflows, which has to do with trusting the cup God has given us. The cup that he's put in our hands that we are content And at rest, Matthew 26, last scripture I want to share with you today. Verse 38 through 39, Jesus is nearing the end of his life. He's praying and he says this. He says, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed and he said, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, say this with me. Not as I will, but as you will. Not as I will, but as you will. You see, David is saying that my cup overflows. That that in fact, what God has given me, I have a place of contentment and as a result of that contentment and a heart at rest, I'm overflowing with God's love and goodness and mercy. So I want to give you a quick acronym to just spell this out for you, because I believe this is key to understanding how to be at rest. Uh, The word rest, I just took it and prayed through God. What, What are you saying to us? The first thing is we need to be repentant, that in fact we need to be repentant, that part of it is recognizing I've been coming up and showing up in my own strength and in my own way, God forgive me, I'm turning to you. That's what repentance is. It's an act of turning And coming to God and saying, forgive me, I need more of you. The second is we find rest when we become expectant. We have an expectant faith that that God is going to move and show up. That if we're following God and going his way, we are expectant. You know, scripture talks over and over about us living by faith. When is the last time That you said, God, I'm expecting you to show up in this. God, I'm believing that you're going to show up in this situation. Got to have that expectant faith. And then third, that we're surrendered. This is what he's getting at, I believe, and what Jesus even prayed is we're surrendered to whatever that cup is, whatever God's put in your hand. You're surrendered to it and saying, Lord, not my will, but yours. And here's the thing, we can surrender, but then we start walking and we get all doubtful and discouraged and before long, we aren't really trusting. And so deep within our soul, we find rest when we really trust the sovereignty and the goodness of God. So will we rest in that season? Will we be that kind of church and people that are saying, God, we're trusting, you're going to show up as we rest, as we follow you. That we need a fresh filling. Let me give you three questions to consider as we begin to close here today and think about how do we respond. The first is, will you show up to Jesus' table with all of you? Will you show up with all of him and trust him today? Saying, God, I, I, I believe that you, that Jesus, you're the son of God. That you are in control that you want to be my good shepherd, and so here's all of me. Secondly, will you seek a fresh filling of God's Spirit to live and to love daily? Some of you, you have issues in your daily life that you know what Tuesday is going to bring, because every Tuesday looks pretty familiar. Tuesday is just a metaphor, by the way. You you have things that just keep showing up during the week. And I believe if we come to God and we say, God, I need your spirit, I need your power, I need your love, I want to overcome this, that we in fact will be filled with him and will be able to overcome anything we face in the presence of our enemies. God wants to be there with an anointing. And then third, will you rest in his best for your life? Because I believe if we can get to that place of rest, we will be able to say, like David did, my cup is overflowing. I am so at rest that I can't help but praise him and thank him for what he's been doing. This morning, as you came in, if you're here in person, uh, if you're online with us, uh, run to the kitchen, grab some goldfish crackers and some juice, whatever you have available will work. But you received communion elements as you came in. And as we prepare our hearts to receive communion, what a better day. Because when we come to the table, when we show up to Jesus' table, I want to take you back to a moment where Jesus, at the Last Supper, at his last moment with his disciples, was at the table And as they showed up that night, they had no idea what was coming. They had no idea that that would be that moment where he would look at them and he would say, hey, at my table, everyone will be welcomed. Everyone will be loved if they receive of me. So that's the starting point. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's the starting point today before we receive communion, for you to say, hey, I want to bring these elements. I want to pray with somebody. I want, I want to give my life. I want to receive the Lord. Because when we come to that table as a believer, Jesus has a seat for us. He has a seat for us where he says, as you take of this wafer or cracker or bread or whatever you're using today, this symbolizes My body that was broken for you. He was buried and then he rose. And because he rose, his blood is the atoning sacrifice. The juice symbolizes that Jesus' blood is that covering, that atonement. What we need to experience forgiveness of sins. And so as we receive communion today, I want to encourage you to rest, to come to the table repentant, expectant, surrendered, and saying, God, I trust you. I'm trusting you that you're showing up now and you're going to show up as I walk with you. As we receive communion today, we're going to have a moment here after I pray where you you take your time. You can come to the altar. Either side, we have kneeling benches. You can pray right where you're at. You can stand and sing, but when you're ready, may that moment be a moment that God shows up in today and meets you right where you're at. He has more for you. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you, God, for what you are doing in this moment. Jesus, I thank you for showing up today. I thank you for the way you show up in our lives that you showed up here on earth. Father, at 33, after a sinless life, you died on a cross for our sins. Out of your great love for us, you offer us mercy and grace. And in this moment, as we come to your table, we remember your sacrifice, your body that was broken, your blood that was shed, and we want to receive all that you have. So Holy Spirit, meet us in this moment as we repent, as we expect with faith what you have. May we surrender and say, not my will, but yours. And fill us with a new trust that we could show up with you in all of life. So as we receive communion and as we praise you, we thank you for showing up today. We thank you for being with us. In Jesus' name, amen. May God bless you as you receive communion today, as you receive the the bread and the juice, as you come to him. I believe he's gonna be showing up. Let's give him this time. Father, we thank you for this moment that you are showing up in. We thank you, God, that you are here and you are with us. And God, we thank you that you prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You call us out of isolation and into intimacy with you and with others. We thank you, Father, for your goodness and mercy, that you anoint us with your oil. And so, God, I'm just asking for a fresh filling for each and every one of us that are believers, that, Father, we would look to you to show up in new ways, that, Holy Spirit, you would move in our midst, filling us daily to live and to love as you would want us to. And we thank you, Lord, that as we surrender to your will, that our cups will overflow with you. So, Father, I just speak life and blessing over those that are with us today worshiping, believing that, God, you are showing up and you have so much ahead. Give us rest in the deepest places as we walk with you. May we just see you showing up over and over again, and we will, we will give you all the glory. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. What a morning, amen? Amen. God is so good, and uh, our kids team is really good too, and if you have kids, go get them please, we're a few minutes over. If you're a visitor, you can come out to the Welcome Center, we've got a gift for you. Tithe boxes are there, you can give online, and if you have a chance to stay and need prayer or connection, we're here for you. Love God and love all people in your pathway this week, go now and be the church. Have a great week.